0: Do, do 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 Godzilla. When all is ready, I throw this switch.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Collected Edition comic book podcast where we discuss the famous and infamous runs and story arcs throughout the history of comics. I'm Paul Matthew Carr. And with me as always, is Brian Reese. Here I am. Good to be with you, Paul. Good to be with you as well. Today on the program, we will be discussing the very interesting run of Godzilla th- King of I the Monsters. This as, I think this counts as infamous. Is it infamous? Well, we'll 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 decide that. We'll hash that yeah. out. But we're gonna do King Godzilla King of the Monsters from the 1970s Marvel stock of stuff. Okay. Uh but before that, we're gonna discuss um we don't we don't really have uh, news to talk about this time around, or at least news we want to talk about. Let's put it that way. So we're going to try to discuss, or at least I guess not discuss, but more reminisce about some of the uh, some of the ads you would find in 1970s comics. Now, Brian, you're an older fella like me. <laughs> I'm a man of a certain age. That's right. I I assume you remember some of the uh, more interesting ads that were in that were in comic books back in the day.
0: No, i gee gee willickers Paul yes <laughs> some of the, the the ads were like like I kind of I remember looking forward to the ads I'd pour over them you know you'd get that full page of
1: of just the little know, squares
0: just the little squares and you'd be squinting at them and, and yeah. just uh you know what what is this one selling what is this one and you know boy you know It'd be kind of fun if that, uh, well, I was going to say, wouldn't it be fun if they we could uh, if they did those again, uh, but probably not, because there's probably some legal issues with some of them.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting the way it was marketed to <laughs> media that was ostensibly for children. And, of course, the most infamous one is probably the X-ray vision glasses.
0: The X-ray vision glasses, uh, yeah. Um, See through which, people's clothes. Wait ex- a minute.
1: Exactly. There was always a little illustration of a guy – Looking at a woman, and you could see through her clothes.
0: Yeah, like, really and of course. That he had the, his eyes, like in the glasses, there were like those circles. You know, like exactly.
1: Was- yeah, I mean, but because of, thats of course the first thing you want to do if you have X-ray vision is to uh, see somebody naked. There was a there was other other things as well. I mean, you could get the switchblade comb. The switchblade comb was
0: good. Uh, yeah. I I was particularly. So I didn't, uh, I didn't have any money as a kid. You know, what money I had went to buying comics, not uh, stuff in the ads. But the the one I always wanted, I wanted the uh, the ad with a you know five thousand uh, piece army action set or whatever it was with all the little army men.
1: I knew someone who got that actually, not me, but some a friend of mine who lived on my block back in Philly got that, and it was the cheapest piece of crap. You ever saw, yes, you did get, you know, hundreds of these little army men, but they were like wafer thin plastic. It it was, it was, it was like getting like a sticker, (laughs) like that that thin.
0: Yeah. It wasn't like the, the more solid army guys that we
1: had. Yeah. Not like, not the kind you see on Toy Story. Yeah. 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 I I, I remember just how disappointed, uh, his name was Rob. I remember how disappointed Rob Rob was. was like, I got, I got gypped. (laughs) Yeah, you did. This cost me $4. Yeah. A little story about myself. I actually did send away for a a box of seeds, like flower (laughs) seeds, because it said in the ad that you could make anywhere from $5 to $20 a week with it. With a packet of seeds. Yeah, by selling these seeds. And I was all about it. I was Mr. Entrepreneur at this point. I was Mm going to make myself a, a little mini business. And it didn't turn out the way that I thought it would.
0: I'm not, I'm surprised to hear that.
1: Yeah. I got a couple of mercy sales to my parents and, uh, and some family members, but I was, I didn't become independently wealthy
0: because of did that. Did you go, did you go door to door? Did you, I mean, it's.
1: I did try it, but I, I, I was all gung ho when they first arrived and I did try to go door to door, but no one was taking, I mean, hey, I think Mr. they, I think, I think to they took. some seeds? Yeah. I th- yeah. Hello, mister. Want to buy some C's from me? Gee whiz, golly.
0: Say. <laughs> Say, Pally. Yeah.
1: Uh, I gave up on that pretty quickly and was kind well, of. Well, you
0: know, what you should have done, Paul, is, is you should have gone, you know, the grit route.
1: I know. I should have sold grit. Grit was, of course, a newspaper from, God, it, it, it was started back in the 40s. It was It was around for a long time.
0: Yeah. When I've read some old, old comics, you would still, there would be grit advertisements in those.
1: Right. Like even like golden age stuff, sell grit.
0: Yeah. But you yeah. know, you could, what was the ad? You could make five, dollars a week.
1: A week. Yeah. A week. But you know, if I was making $5 a week at that time, I would have loved every, I, I would have considered myself a millionaire at that point. Yeah. But you
0: know, yeah. it, it makes you wonder like, so if anybody out there listening to this sold grit, we would love to hear your story. Absolutely. Um, to be featured on a future <laughs> podcast. But, uh, you know, part of me, you know, because you got a little bag, right. Um, yeah. You got a little little burlap bag or whatever that you could carry your grit in. I mean, you know, everybody needs something to carry their grit in. <laughs> uh, you know, I lived in a rural area, so I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I mean, if I was going to walk around my neighborhood trying to sell grit, I, I, you know, be spending three hours a night. You know, just to but pardon me. Also, like, didn't people have paper? Route? It was basically a paper route. Yes,
1: it was. It was a, a yeah. It was a paper route for a paper nobody wanted. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't know how Brian K. vaughn didn't jump on the uh,
1: the grit bandwagon <laughs> when he was doing Paper Girls. Oh yeah, I remember a an episode of Mystery Science Theater from many years ago where Crow Crow T Robot was selling grit. But they opened up his bag and it was just like sand. And they said, "Oh no, this is true grit." <laughs> <laughs> but what were
0: some of the other like great? Uh, so, of course, sea monkeys.
1: Sea monkeys, which which did not look like they did in the pictures. No, apparently not. I mean, no, they you know they weren't little pink people that lived in a castle and had crowns. I'm kind of shocked by that. There was always the ones where you could. Uh, you know, become a muscular man without exercising. All you had to do oh, is oh,
0: yeah, is, like the famous uh, you know cartoon with the guy getting the sand kicked, kicked in his, his face, face. And, right? You know, but and then eventually he goes on to become Flex Mentalo,
1: uh, <laughs> which is great,
0: right? But that's uh, exactly
1: where that came from.
0: Um, but you know, I mean, some of those, some of those little, you know, it was like lots of gags. Like it was the the thing where you'd stick your finger in and it would look like you cut your finger off. Yes, and of course, joy buzzers and uh... joy buzzers and uh, the gum. Oh,
1: yes, oh, like yeah, the trick
0: gum. You got like three different kinds of trick gum, you know, oh, and they'd God. advertise hours worth of fun. I was like, I don't, I, you know, I don't know about hours, you know, it makes you wonder like some of these, like, I was wondering who, who's ordering these. Yeah, I mean, people must have. I mean, there's there's a on my route to work every day, I pass uh, an old uh, what looks like it's it's a novelty uh toy factory. It's something else now, but the original sign is still on it. I can't remember I wish I could remember what it was called. But I see it every once in a while on, on on my way to work, you know, here in Chicago. And it's it's I was like, you know, this is one of those places that were probably advertising their little schlocky, you know, toys, these cheap plastic toys that they were selling in comic books.
1: Oh yeah. You know, Joy Buzzers and Snakes and Cans, your fake poop and vomit.
0: Oh right. Yeah, all- yeah well the the squirting uh the squirting uh squirting flower pin flower pin or whatever flower i used to have
1: it looked clearly like clearly
0: the joker was reading the ad pages in comics
1: yeah absolutely i used to have it was a joke it was like a gum a, a packet of gum mm-hmm. one of the long rectangular looking packets of gum and when right. someone tried to pull a piece out it had a little mini mouse trap that would snapshot on your finger. Which I thought was hilarious, but other people thought was painful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, so many potential lawsuits. I know. They sold that to children. But all
0: of these places also, like, you would send away your money
1: to a P.O. box. Yes. P.O. box in some random, uh, you know, a town that no one's ever heard of before. But you could also sign up for rush delivery for
0: an extra 50 cents.
1: Because you had to have that, you know, squirting flour as soon as possible
0: as soon as possible but you know i just I, I picture like a bunch of a bunch of kids in like the 60s and 70s you know running around like a bunch of wiseacres, uh, you know with the, with all their little trick pens and everything oh what about the pen that if you turn it upside down the person's clothes came off
1: yes uh yeah, yeah the little uh hula girl the right yes <laughs> this is good stuff um i actually had many of these little items not from the ads and comics, but there was a novelty store near where I grew up, right, right. That I frequented quite a bit. It was a magic store. I'm putting magic in quotes. Right, sure. Yeah, it was it was cheap plastic stuff that I thought was amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we have a. We, there's still a couple holdovers here too, and the, like actual stores. Like there's a great store here called Uncle Fun, which <laughs>
1: <laughs> which you could get arrested for now.
0: <laughs> which you can. Which skeevy name, uh, but it's. it's... <laughs> aside (laughs) it's uh there's great stuff in there but you know they have like uh, a lot of the retro kind of toys like that uh, they're still being made oh yeah still making this stuff i don't know if it's in taiwan or you know where where it is you know it's um or you know paducah or wherever but uh Yeah, it's you can still, there are still places out there where you can, where you could pick up a lot of this stuff. I think most people now are getting it for nostalgia
1: or they make great stocking stuffers. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always going to be a market for cheap plastic novelty items.
0: But one of the other, one of the other things, uh, part of the reason we're talking about this is because obviously, like this comic, the Godzilla, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ads, a lot of these ads uh, sprinkled out through these comics that we're reading. And one of my other favorite things is, all of the mailing list comic book companies
1: oh yeah yeah uh, how did that work exactly
0: well i yeah it's uh i think (laughs) this is the this is the era we grew up you think we would know yeah (laughs) we we sound like we're like 16 year old kids going how did that work
1: well i had i had subscriptions to like directly from marvel like, right for the foreign yeah but then but these other ads are you subscribe to this other company which would do it bundled but it would up also they,
0: right but the, also they would uh you know they were selling back issues yeah so these were like these were like comic book stores in virginia or in oh i don't know say denver colorado yeah mile high or <laughs> where have you that they would just uh you would you would send them money for, or, you know, a quarter for their for their mailing list. And what they would do is they, they just send you the list of all of their comics or whatever they're featuring, like back issue stuff. So you would order your back issues from like a mailing list that got sent to you once a month or every couple of weeks. You know, it's like, oh, I yeah. need Avengers number you know 63 and oh you know bob's comics in wheeling west virginia <laughs> on their mailing list they have it available for 75 cents or a dollar and it's graded as whatever I mean, th- that was very you know now you just go online you can on comic book stores you could go online and order you know older issues of things or you just go to your if if you're lucky to have a local comic store still available to you you know you just go look at their quarter bins or you go look in there
1: right right
0: but, you know, comic book stores weren't that prolific, uh, they were oh, the prolific, there. um, there just weren't that many around. Like, if you lived in um, an area that wasn't New York City,
1: well, even larger... I, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, I grew up in Philadelphia, which is a big city, but even then, right. I just bought my comics at the local Wawa or Kmart off a of spinner rack,
0: right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, was spinner racks, or for us, it was also you know. Because the local IGA had that, or Lawson's was our 7-Eleven substitute. You know, Wednesday Comics wasn't so much a thing. You didn't know. You were just, you'd just go to the local, like you said, the Wawa or the Kmart or 7-Eleven or wherever, IGA, Mm -hmm. and just hope that the comic, that your latest issue of X-Men for the month was there.
1: Exactly. Or you found the kid in the neighborhood who bought it and tried to. And try to trade for it, or I don't know, rough them up. I'm from Philly. It's fine. <laughs>
0: <what you> <laughs> we were much nicer in the Midwest, Paul. We would just be like, "Hey, I got this comic. You got this comic. Let's go hang out. I'll read your comic, and you read my comic."
1: Ugh, I, I can't understand yeah. that.
0: <laughs> sharing. No. What is to this be- sharing you speak of?
1: Hey, I like that comic. I would like to. Ha- I would like to own that comic. You will give it to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not true. We did share and. We traded comics like uh, like baseball cards.
0: Right. Yeah. Then you'd roll it up and stick it in your back pocket. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's the only way. That was the easiest way to, to transport comics. Oh sure. It'd be yeah. a back pocket. It would always fall out when you're riding your bike, and you'd have to brush it off.
0: Yeah. This issue of this comic that has this new character called Rocket Raccoon. That's not going to be worth anything. I'm just going to roll it up and stick it in my back pocket and have it hop on my bike and exactly. Oops, it fell in the mud. Oh, well, who's going to want this <laughs> issue down the line anyway?
1: <laughs> Seeing the future was never something that we took. <laughs> yeah, we not, were the kids who up.
0: opened our Star Wars figures and played with them. That's right. Somebody out there is shuddering.
1: And I didn't just stand it up on a shelf behind me for my <laughs> YouTube video. Well, anyway, the, the ads back then were as, as integral to the comic as the story itself.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, they were. they were as much a part of the experience.
1: Yes. As, as, a, uh, as a follow-up to that seed story of mine, you know, I had to cut the page out
0: oh, in right. order to
1: send in. So Yeah. Because there's always a coupon that you had to fill out. I was not only not saving my comics, I was defacing them as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, not to
0: make another Brian K. Vaughn reference, but I think uh, it was Paper Girls or one of his other comics. He, he, you could get stuff or there was something, but uh, you actually had to cut out Oh really? Um, the thing in the new comic.
1: I don't remember that.
0: Someone someone will remember what that was, but I think uh, there there at some point Brian K. Vaughn was in one of his comics. I I don't think it was Saga because that that seems particularly cruel. But, uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Saga. Does anybody remember Saga? That was a comic book that came out for a while. All right. So
1: ads in comics. Very cool. I don't think we have anything more to say, do we?
0: No. But hey, you know, people should send their stories. Yeah. Send in their stories and uh, you know let us know your favorite comic book ad or if if you have any experiences. Uh, yeah. Happy if purchasing. you ordered
1: anything, or you wanted to be a a grit salesman,
0: right? Or if you were a grit salesman and oh, you know yeah. got chased down the street by the local bullies. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. All right. Did you make five to ten dollars a week?
1: I know. Yeah. Did did anyone make any money with this stuff? Because it, it maybe I just didn't try hard and hard enough to be yeah, the, the, the seed salesman true. I should have been. <laughs> all right let's take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about some 70s goodness
0: this is tokyo once a city of six million people what has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination tokyo a smoldering memorial to the unknown an unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi, folks. Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, kaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at two 2truefreaks.com earth destruction directive where we turn your daikaiju dreams into city smashing reality and we're back paul carr today we are reading godzilla based on your recommendation would you like to tell us about
1: it i sure would There is a quote from a sacred religious text from the Cult of the Blue Oyster that states, history shows again and again how nature points out the folly of man. This is of course in in reference to Godzilla, the giant radioactive lizard native to Japan. And in many ways, it sums up today's comic. Godzilla first appeared in Toho's 1954 film, Gojira, which was originally intended as an allegory for nuclear destruction. The film is rightfully considered a classic It's dark and poignant. It has a serious take on an issue that was and continues to be of utmost importance to our world. The film was well-received and was a worldwide hit, and as you'd expect from something this serious and important, it was immediately turned into a franchise and made kid-friendly. So that, by the late 1970s, Godzilla was no longer a poignant metaphor for nuclear war, but a protector of Earth from aliens and monsters. And this is where the franchise was at when Marvel Comics obtained the rights in 1977, and thus the comic Godzilla King of the Monsters was born. This is a 24-issue run that ran from 1977 to 1979, and tasked with adapting this monster to comics was Doug Monk, with art, for the most part, by Herb Trimpey. As with all properties of Marvel at this time, Godzilla had to be incorporated into the larger Marvel universe. How exactly, you may ask, does a giant radioactive lizard fit into an established superhero world? The answer is, awkwardly. To add to the problem of adaptation, while Marvel still had the, had the rights to Godzilla, they did not have the rights to use anything else. So no side characters, no monsters, not even any lore or reference to any of the now two decades worth of movies. Everything had to be made up from whole cloth. And the results are, to use a technical term, bonkers. The storyline is pretty simple. Godzilla shows up on the west coast of the U.S. and begins to wreak havoc. All the while, he encounters various heroes from Marvel, the Champions, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, etc. And he battles new and exciting kaiju like Batragon, Yetigar, and probably the most frightening of all, a sewer rat from New York. The narrative is helped along by the presence of S.H.I.E.L.D., led by the perpetually annoyed Dum-Dum Dugan, and an ally of sorts in Little Robbie Tagaguchi, and his giant Mecha-Robot, Red, Ronin, yum. Now there are some series that seem absurd at the time, but when you look back on them, you find they are absolute classics of the genre. This is not one of them, but what Godzilla King of the Monsters is, is a testament to perseverance and creativity. Monk and Trimpy were given a ridiculous assignment, make a giant lizard part of an established superhero universe with very little to work with. And what they created was goofy and weird And silly and filled with lots of good natured, tongue-in-cheek humor. The result, Godzilla King of the Monsters, is an oddity. It's harmless fun that seems as if the creators were having fun creating it. And sometimes that's all that matters. Brian, what did you think of Godzilla King of the Monsters? It's it's comics! Uh, I guess. Absolutely.
0: uh my goodness <laughs> it's i i think uh, you summed it up pretty well um i think bonkers is um <laughs> is is an appropriate uh an appropriate word i mean it's it it borders on the so bad it's good <laughs> and and again i don't mean that as an insult to, to to monk or or trimpy or or any of the other creators yeah uh, but the premise alone is it's ridiculous. It's completely absurd. And uh, uh, but at, at the end of the day, it's it it is fun.
1: Yeah, and I think that's all it was it was meant to be. Right. Um, I've read an interview with with Doug Monk, and he he pretty much says straight out that he didn't want to do this. He was surprised that it was given to him, and he just you know just started throwing things at the wall. And hoping that it's stuck. And you can kind of see that. You know, the first four issues or so, they seem to be kind of stumbling around, kind of unsure what to do with the with the premise.
0: It's almost like they wanted uh to they wanted to be more serious.
1: Right. And then finally they just said, ah, the hell with it. You know, you could you can almost see the light bulb go off. Like 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 suddenly the wackiness just amps up and the humor becomes more prevalent and and the you know, situations get I mean.
0: weirder. We need cowboys. We need. Uh...
1: Yeah. Oh, let's send them to Las Vegas. Uh, let's have them fight Bigfoot. Yeah. How about, how about cattle rustlers? Want to fight some cattle rustlers? Sure. Why not? Let's do that. How about space? Let's send them to space. <laughs> there is um, it's issue. It's issue number seven. I have to look at my notes. This is where I see the change happen because on the opening splash page, there's, you know, there's a little narration that says setting a military installation in North San Diego. Recently equipped with enormous with an enormous escape-proof case, situation Godzilla escaped, and that's the kind of humor that just gets getting reinforced after this, right? You're like that's just like <laughs> we're just we're, we're not we're not going to take this seriously anymore, right? Yeah,
0: and uh, you know, not only but does Godzilla escape, but the, the geniuses of course uh, you know have have Godzilla stored in an area where the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons also happens to be.
1: Yeah, of course. Yes. Always put giant radioactive lizards next to nuclear weapons. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah. The, the the back half of this series is really, I think, where it starts to hit its stride. That's, that's, where, that's where they're just throwing everything at it. But I suppose we should talk a little bit about... Okay. So we're not going to talk about issue by issue. This is a 24-issue run. And we're not going to talk about issue by issue. But there are sort of little mini arcs. As this goes along, and I think we can talk about that in general terms, right? And as I said, the first the first four issues are basically just Godzilla shows up, wreaks some havoc, and then storms off again. He uh, he destroys the San Francisco uh, the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge because I think that's required of all giant monsters. Right. He uh, destroys I, Seattle. He destroyed Seattle. <laughs> tries to have a little uh, intimate relations with the with the space needle, which is neat. <laughs> but yeah, but but those Who are of the us issues. It. <laughs> That's right. The, um, yeah, th- those issues are they're they're fun, but they you know I I don't think that the the team knew what they were doing just right then. Right.
0: The other things to, to bring up about these is um, it's there's some real darkness there too because I mean. Godzilla's eating boats with people in them. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's like a massive loss of life going on in these first, uh, first uh, few issues that uh, is sort of swept on the carpet later.
1: Yeah. And it's, tamp- it, it's tamped down a little bit because you start to see people getting away mm. as it goes on. And, and, and they're trying to turn Godzilla into more of a hero type instead of just a rampaging monster which is what he started out as another notable cameo in the early issues is the uh presence of the champions which is everybody's favorite superhero team there's serious sarcasm there yeah yeah
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah and, and just uh the, the champions being as incompetent as one uh would imagine
1: yes. oh man you have hercules who's yay verily he is, uh, you know, everybody's least favorite knockoff of Thor. <laughs> right. and, and,
0: and then Black Widow, because what you really want when taking on a, a large uh, skyscraper sized lizard is an espionage expert.
1: Yes. With yes. no powers. Yeah. Yeah. Could we get a gymnast in here? Because we have a giant monster. <laughs> uh, yeah. So those first f- four issues aside. Uh, it's the Doctor Demonicus arc, where it really starts to pick up. Uh, Doctor Demonicus, Dr.
0: Demonicus.
1: <laughs> who did parody songs on the radio, I believe.
0: Very but, famous. Lots of he has lots of CDs about the parody songs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Weird Al, huge, huge fan. Uh,
0: huge fan of Doctor Demonicus.
1: Uh, but no, Doctor Demonicus. I you know it's. I guess they were trying to create a supervillain for. For godzilla someone who could you know a supervillain that creates other monsters another kaiju
0: because they weren't allowed to use right the
1: no they weren't allowed
0: to use. so you know mothra. Monk and Trippy had to like create new and some of their creations are well we'll get to that
1: yes uh, <laughs> yes indeed no they weren't allowed but, to use things like mothra and rodan and Ghidorah, like the most famous monsters from from godzilla's movies uh so yeah so they had to create new stuff but the demon, the demonicus run, you start to get a little bit more of the wackiness and the silliness starting to come out of it. The big monster to come out of the demonicus run is the uh, is Batragon. 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 Got a lot. I was of- having trouble pronouncing that. I was like, was it is it Batragon? Oh no, it's
0: <laughs> <Is> it Batragon.
1: <laughs> you got to have years of watching uh, of watching kaiju films to know. To instinctively know how to pronounce these things.
0: <laughs> Although uh, you know, my, my favorite probably of this, which is another one of the monsters that Dr. Demonicus has, is and and I refuse to pronounce it other than Gila Ron. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> sure. It's, it's Ron who's a
1: gila. Yeah. Um <laughs> yes, you can sing it to the tequila song. Did yes. yeah, but you know. Like I said, you can start to see that the uh, the wackiness starts to come in. Um, the character of Dum Dum Dugan, who was who was from the very beginning being very gruff and ca- kind of having some homespun, gosh darn it, type of uh, type of insults, th- you know, slinging insults at people, it just gets dialed up to eleven in this storyline.
0: Right. Well, it becomes the uh, he becomes the Dan Rather of uh, Marvel Comics, <laughs> the Dan Rather of Shield
1: that's the wit, the
0: wit and wisdom of um Dum dugan
1: yep dag gum doggone it yes it, it's it's really <laughs> Yay, good i i love the fact that whenever someone mentions you know there's another giant monster and he's like what are you crazy that doesn't happen it's like you're following godzilla for god's sakes <laughs> how is it your, your 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 suspension of disbelief is just off the rails
0: Throughout this entire run, it's it's basically like Dugan is just having the worst day ever, every day.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time something goes wrong, it's like, oh, jeez, me and my big mouth. Like, why is this happening to me? It's so funny. He he hates his job and his life. Uh, but after the Demonicus run, there's another, the, the next story arc. It has, a, it has a couple of things where the Godzilla gets captured in the giant behemoth uh, helicarrier. Yeah, which is just basically a giant square with with fans on the side of it.
0: Some some of the I'd, some of the uh, some of the ships and some of the tech, yeah, are, are just silly looking.
1: Yeah, it's, it, I, this has a lot to do with with Trimpy's art style, right? Yeah, uh, and he's really hit or miss for me. I think, I mean, you can look at the tech and and the ships and things like that. He's really trying to emulate Kirby. Yeah. But he's not. He
0: is no Kirby.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> I know Kirby. I've read Kirby. You're no Kirby. That being said, his animals, you know, Godzilla himself and and some of the other creatures, he's really quite good at. There's some splash pages that are amazing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he's he drew Hulk for many, many years. So he has that kind of uh, you know, giant, muscular type of thing down pat. So it's, I, it, yeah, the arts, the arts back and forth for me. But anyway, uh, in this, uh, I'll call it the the Yeti Gar arc. I mean, come on, Yeti Gar. <laughs> uh, so it's- Godzilla gets captured, uh, is held next to uh, next to next to nuclear weapons, as you do, as one does, as one does. And meanwhile, some radiation gets out and turns a local Bigfoot into a giant Bigfoot, which Godzilla has to go fight the giant Bigfoot in the Grand Canyon.
0: And this is where Red Ronin comes into play.
1: Yum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's another thing, though, because at this time, Marvel had the rights to do Shogun Warriors. They were, there was a series about giant mecha robots called the Shogun Warriors, but they weren't allowed to do any crossover between the two. It's my understanding, anyway, that they wanted that Trimpy and Monk wanted to use those shounen warriors as in this, but they couldn't. So they had to create their, a brand new one, which is red Ronin
0: piloted by the young 10 year old or however,
1: uh, little, Rob. little Rob, little Rob, little Rob Takaguchi. Yeah. I mean, come on. He breaks in <laughs> fries, the, uh, the circuit so that only he can use it. I mean, I think he should be putting time out. Little Rob should, Well, but he is, he's, He's the human connection to Godzilla. He's the sort of the champion that lets everyone know he's Godzilla's really he's really a good guy. I mean, he might look like a giant monster stomping on people, but he doesn't mean it.
0: Well, and I think that's what's interesting is uh, how throughout this comic there is the, there's this constant uh, this is a very Marvel thing too, and and uh, they're constantly trying to humanize uh, yes. Godzilla and create sympathy for Godzilla meanwhile he's eating people and uh you know, yeah but he's it's like he's just misguided and scared
1: yeah in the in the movies in this period Godzilla had morphed into the protector of Earth kind of a thing so he right. went from this menacing metaphor of of nuclear Holocaust into now he's a kid-friendly guy who saves people uh I, yeah and I think they were uh, you know the Marvel comics were trying to emulate that to a certain extent. Right. Um,
0: but of I, course, uh, anybody trying to, you know, have sympathy for him, you know, runs into the Dum Dum Dugan treatment.
1: That's <laughs> right. Well, that's... Um, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Dum Dum's sidekick. Oh, Gabe, Gabe Jones. Gabe Jones. Gabe Jones is also the the voice of reason that keeps trying to tell Dum Dum to, to settle down and, and take it easy on Godzilla. There is a... A really cool illustration that Trimpy does of uh, Red Ronin's blueprints where it has like the cutaway to see what's inside. Oh, right. I love that stuff. You yeah. know, Kirby used to do that all the time. Like what's in the Baxter building? And it was always like a cutaway to see what all the a floors slide, were.
0: It was like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that stuff. But yeah, so Godzilla escapes his captivity and then goes to fight the Yetigar in in the in the Grand Canyon. Uh, and there is a, how do I describe this? There's actually kind of a melancholy mood to this, because there because there's two monsters fighting, but there's also right. river rafting going on, so there's people in danger, and then little little Rob steals Red Ronin yum, and joins the fight to try to help, uh, you know, to try to settle things down, but ends up having to kill the Yetigar. and I thought that was kind of brutal. I mean, for something this fun and silly. It was, it was kind of tragic at the end
0: well yeah and he he expresses a, he doesn't he expresses a lot of guilt about it
1: well yeah i mean this is a 70s comic it nothing is is understated or subtle <laughs> so if he's feeling guilt he will tell you in long excruciating detail
0: long exposition
1: yes it was uh, i'm not gonna say touching but it it did make me go oh poor yet
0: but there's a couple other moments even uh, before this. There's uh, a one point uh, Godzilla ends up in Las Vegas, as one does. There's this whole weird subplot about you know this this guy, uh, his Winslow Bennett, uh, <laughs> who just keeps gambling because he has to save his mom's life. Right. So you know he's the perennial loser, and uh, he's down to his last dime and.
1: Well, should he make a call to his family or should he put it in the slot machine?
0: Puts it in the slot machine, wins some money, goes and wins some more money at another table. And then Godzilla comes along and destroys the, the the flood. I forget, it's the flood from the from the dam comes in. and He loses all his money and he uses his last dime to call his wife and say, I've lost all the money, you know, but um, I have one dime left. So I'm going to try to get money to help cure my mom. And, you know, his wife's on the phone like, your mom died three years ago.
1: Right, and, and yeah, then he, he just goes
0: wandering off in the desert.
1: What in the world? I thought that was a really neat story. Incredibly weird and incredibly strange. And but the, but the way that it's told, it doesn't make any sense. But the way that it's told, it parallels everything that everything that uh, that Winslow is doing is paralleled by what Godzilla is doing. You know, obviously on a different scale. Right. Yeah. But so it's 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 a very neat story. But it's um, weird. It yes, it is. It, it, it's, it's, it, but, it, I think, but I think I think this ties into the whole. I think this ties into the whole thing with with monk just saying, eh, I don't care. Screw it. Let's just let's just see if this works."
0: But it's, you have this story, and then like uh, going back to the Yetragar uh, battle, and anything like that. And you have those rafters, and then there's this whole sub story about some of these rafters, uh, where the men are like criticizing the women for not uh, being adventurous. And then the men get hurt and they have to walk. Anyway, so the women turn the tables on them and they're like, you know, you're the weak ones, not us. And a wonderful sentiment. But what? It, yeah. what, what is this? In, this isn't I, about Godzilla.
1: It's, I, I I appreciate that, though. I love the, the strange, just bizarreness of the whole thing. I love the, the, the wife berating her husband. Get up, you wuss. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah. yeah. But
0: it uh, you know, and, and this happens throughout the comic. There's just these weird things that you're like...
1: What yeah, there's asides do? that just, you know, just happen seemingly random.
0: It's not yeah. like in a lot of Marvel comics where they'll introduce a weird scene that's setting up something for six issues down the line.
1: Things happen because why not? And speaking of oh, things happen because I why not?
0: Just, oh, I just wanted to insert real quickly uh, before we move on. Uh, you started this with the introduced, introduction of the new helicarrier, the behemoth. And I I do think uh, it's important to point out that the pilot of the behemoth, (laughs) um, the helicarrier, um, is a pipe-smoking mustache man named Hugh Howards.
1: Who wears a fedora. And I was going to ask you, does he take the pipe out of his mouth? Ever? I don't know if it ever comes out.
0: The, the the again it's this shows how much fun he's having because he you know uh, that monk is having with the with the story at this point is because yeah. his name is
1: Hugh Howards. Everybody in Shield has that you know tight fitting Shield outfit with the with the holster and everything except for except for Hugh, who has a fedora and a pipe and a and kind of casual dress.
0: I mean I you know it's it would be great if they revisit him later and you know he had uh, become a hermit and his nails had grown long and he was yeah. Yeah. you know being watched over by the mormons or whatever but uh, he
1: wore tissue boxes on you his Never feet. get
0: to revisit him later on
1: the things we never got to see because this series was was canceled so like i was saying and uh, speaking of things that that happen because why not godzilla then gets pulled into space by an alien race to fight so there's the, there's there's two alien races. There are the Betas with the betas' heads, the Betas and the Megans. There's there's the Planet Megan, and and you know what? I I hate Megan. They are the worst. They <laughs> they are. I mean, they bring up they they're constantly doing this war, and it's just so rude. I hate Megan. I'm sure it's pronounced like Megan or something, but it's spelled M E G A N. <laughs> it's Megan. Yeah. Uh, but. Godzilla has to. <laughs> Godzilla is brought into space to fight a monster on an asteroid, and the the betas decide that yes, he's going to be their champion. But lo and behold, the Megans, <sighs> I hate the Megans. They send their monsters to Earth because why not? So Godzilla has to be transported back to Earth in order to fight the Megan monsters.
0: Ooh, seems suspiciously like the uh, the, the monsters from Doctor Doctor Demonicus.
1: Well, you know, I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a catalog that they're getting all these from.
0: <laughs> the Acme Monster Company.
1: Yes. But this is actually the turning point because because during this fight, Dum-Dum realizes that Godzilla's actually fighting for them and not against them and actually saves Dum-Dum's life. Yes. So so this is actually a very poignant moment in the run of Godzilla King of Monsters. Poignant. <laughs> yes, It's very poignant. Dum-Dum Has to come to the realization that maybe he was wrong. But don't tell him that by gum. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to hear it.
0: Part of me kind of feels like there was a bit of a missed opportunity here, though. How so? I think, you know, we could have gotten like six issues of Godzilla in space.
1: Yes, it was. It did seem to end uh, a little bit too quickly. We just had that one yeah, issue. There's a,
0: great, there's a great scene of him getting pulled off Earth through space. And you know, here's Godzilla traveling through space. It's one of my favorite panels. Yeah. Even, uh, even, even the entire comic Godzilla even, just if, dipping through space.
1: Yeah. Even the cover of that issue is just Godzilla floating through space with the earth behind him. It's good stuff, man. Well, maybe if they had kept um, the rights, they would have uh uh they, they could, would have, he could have read for space. Uh so after the uh after Godzilla. Defeats the Megan monsters. Megan decides that she, uh, <laughs> or that they, uh, they really don't want to do war anymore because they they've been shown the, the error of their ways.
0: Right, you know, because the, the betas were trying to end the war, and the Megan's were like the mean ones who were
1: yeah, they were the mean girls. <laughs>
0: right, they were the mean girls. And so um, just the fact that they're like they're like oh I beat our monsters I guess you know let's
1: not oh, well let's just end the war.
0: But at some point, they also unleash some kind of laser, destructive laser beam heading towards the Earth, right? Well, and, they, yes. And that never really
1: resolves. Well, once the monsters are destroyed, what's the point of using the laser beam, really?
0: But they already shot off the laser. You know, they had that lone Megan who was, like, flying a <laughs> ship to Earth. And before the ship, like, fell apart, he got the laser beam off that was supposed to destroy a large part of the Earth, Right
1: um yeah wasn't that stopped by the shield people i don't
0: don't remember it i think they just forgot
1: there's no way of knowing we can't look it up once Uh, we've
0: read it it's It's, we can't go back
1: exactly no i I don't think it really matters they just kind of like it's all about godzilla fighting bug monsters
0: right and and at some point we have to get to the cattle
1: ranchers so well that's that's next hold on No, I just have to, my final thing on the on the space monsters is it's Dum-Dum's running commentary on how they look. I'll get the googly-eyed one, you get the one with the antenna, and it's just so funny to hear him narrating these narrating this this story through his dan rather type mannerisms.
0: I kind of feel like Dum-Dum is actually the star.
1: Oh yeah, I think so too. Yeah, he's he's kind of the anchor that carries this along. Uh, which brings us to the great cattle rustlers storyline. So deep in Colorado, my neck of the woods, there's uh, some cattle rustlers stealing. All right. Let me know if I get getting this right. So, uh, oh,
0: oh, I'll definitely let you know.
1: So there's a prominent, is he a politician or a businessman? Who, a, who has a, his? Yeah, he's a businessman who's going to lose. a ranch owner. So I, I thought they were trying to tie politics into this as well, but he's a ranch owner and there's rustlers trying to steal his cattle so that he loses everything and someone else can buy up his land. Is that it?
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. They, they yeah. want the land for some development or something.
1: Well, turns out Godzilla shows up to hassle the cattle rustlers <laughs> who then proceed to try to rustle Godzilla.
0: <laughs> because at some point they're like, should we call in help from the superheroes or from the government? And they're like, no, we have six shooters and lassos. We can take him.
1: But they're lassoing his teeth and his tail and his, <coughs> you know, and they're trying to ride on his head. This it's... is great stuff. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this. There is, uh, there is a movie. It's a Ray Harryhausen film called Valley of Guanji, uh, and that is about dinosaurs and cowboys. I'm pretty sure that inspiration must have been taken from that film cuz what are the odds of dinosaurs and cowboys just showing up randomly
0: it's maybe in crisis on infinite earth
1: maybe so you might find this surprising dear listener but godzilla is able to overcome the cattle rustlers <laughs> and he leads all the cattle back home and the situation <laughs> is saved <laughs> i love the fact i mean godzilla is huge how tall is he he's like just he's just massive Right, right, and there's constantly Surprise people like they'll be turning around a corner and go, "Whoa, what's that? He's <laughs> huge! How did you not see that?
0: Or how did you not hear him?"
1: Exactly. <laughs> yes,
0: I mean, did you not hear all the buildings falling? Oh
1: man! But even if you're in a canyon, <laughs> he's got a tower over top of all the mountains, so the people can, you can see him coming. Again, suspension of disbelief because it's fun stuff. And now we get to the final arc of the run, which is probably my favorite. And that is Shield and Dum Dum bring in Hank Pym to hit Godzilla with a shrinking gas so that Godzilla gets shrunken down into a manageable size. He can, can put it in a cage, which is all well and fine until a scientist who's carrying the cage just happens to trip and fall and
0: and it should be noted that uh, in their wisdom, after having learned the valuable lesson of the last time they captured Godzilla, taking him to a place with nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. in their wisdom, they've decided to take the now captured Godzilla and bring him to New York City.
1: Well, yeah, but that's where all the superheroes are. What so you go
0: wrong?
1: <laughs> but come on, this is good stuff. Godzilla oh, gets yeah. free. Godzilla is a tiny little thing at this point. Little Zilla, little, little, little Zilla. Little fella. And, and he uh, he gets loose and makes his way into the New York City sewers where he meets a giant sewer, well, not a giant, a, a regular sewer rat. but Which is probably giant. Which is probably giant, exactly. This is my favorite fight scene of the entire thing is Godzilla fights a sewer rat and it's 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 epic,
0: I think. Well, it's
1: relatable. It is, yeah. it is. I've been on the New York subway And they could fight me for sure. That in itself is fun. But uh, little Rob goes out to try to find him. Godzilla, that is. And he does, just happens to stumble upon Godzilla. Just walks past the sewer that he is in. And Godzilla hears his voice and comes out because they're friends. uh, At which point Godzilla, the shrinking gas begins to wear off and he grows to a human person's size. Where little Rob proceeds to disguise Godzilla by putting a hat and trench coat on him (laughs) and it's wonderful
0: (laughs) it is is wonderful
1: uh there are a couple of uh of young thugs who want to attack them but Godzilla whips off his coat and hat (laughs) and he takes on
0: thus dissuades them
1: yes he hits them (laughs) he hits them with his atomic breath and they run away screaming ouch I'm on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just a lovely moment. At this point, Dum Dum and the S.H.I.E.L.D. team meet up with them on the docks. And (laughs) there's this wonderful scene of them seeing Rob, like, wait, is that Rob? It looks like his walk, but who's that with him? Because Godzilla now has his trench coat and hat on again. I wonder who that fella is. At which point Godzilla disrobes again and then gets into a knockdown fight with uh, with Dum Dum Dugan,
0: <laughs> which is
1: I don't have words. It's so good.
0: You no, know, there are there are no words. I, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's it's one of those great moments where it's you know you wouldn't have Dum Dum and Godzilla wrestling with each other like if Godzilla was normal size, right? So, yeah. Right. I no, think, this is wonderful. I I I, I, I genuinely like this.
1: It. <laughs> yeah, no, I genuinely like this arc. I genuinely like this story. Let's face it, Godzilla's at full size is a little unwieldy. Right by by shrinking him down to human size, and having him interact with the characters is, is a genuinely good idea, and it and it works well. Just having to knock down, punch him out at, at human size, right? Which continues on into the next into the next section of the story, where Godzilla goes to a museum because sure, why not? Uh, and at that point, uh, the Fantastic Four get involved, and they head out to the museum. To try to contain Godzilla
0: which leads to a which leads to a scene with uh the thing and Godzilla fighting each other in a tank full of sharks.
1: Well, first of all, they're on a walkway above a tank of sharks with no top on it. Call me crazy, but I'm thinking <laughs> that in a public space, maybe put a lid on that shark tank. <laughs> Especially when it's over a uh <laughs> when it's just beneath a walkway. Look, I'm just thinking safety. This was the 70s, maybe they didn't have had the same
0: there were less regulations
1: there was yeah, more there freedom. you go yeah, there you go freedom freedom Oh, make museums great again but this also adds uh, this also has a scene of an interaction between dum-dum dugan and the thing insulting one another because dum-dum hates superheroes and the thing is having nothing nothing of it so they insult each other about the quality of their cigars and then, uh,
0: yeah, at one point, Trimpy like shows the both, and I think both cigars are like out of their mouths, floating yeah, there. It's it's, you know, it's like a comic book, you know the
1: yeah that goink. In the, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and then during that 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 back and forth, the Thing also insults Dum Dum by saying he has the perfect name, and Dum Dum retorts with yeah, this coming from a guy called the Thing. It's just good. I I I really enjoyed that interaction between those two. So,
0: well, this, this is really when the comic starts to, well, I mean, it started a long time ago, but this run up to the end, it just gets,
1: it just gets so, it just gets so good. It's, it's really a shame that the, see what happened was that the license was not renewed for them to use it. And it wasn't because of low sales or because Toho objected, it's that Toho raised its rates and Marvel just said, no, they're not going to pay for it. This was a, a you know it wasn't a huge seller but it was uh, it was a hit and it sold
0: it obviously sold well enough to go twenty four issues it'd go
1: twenty four issues exactly
0: but for Marvel is like epic length before <laughs> between you know a new number one and a cancellation hey
1: this is this is the seventies covers used to run a long time back then <laughs> no but the, no it actually did fairly well and would have continued if Marvel had just well they were in a um, Financial downturn at this particular time, so so it was a financial reason that they decided not to renew the license. It's just like like I said, it's a shame because this was really hitting its stride at this point. I really think if this had he's gone not the
0: devil dinosaur yet,
1: I know if we if this had gone a little bit longer, boy, the storylines. I mean, I was going to say the sky's the limit, but he's already been in space. Uh, so the Fantastic Four are able to uh, they're able to capture. Godzilla because Reed Richards stretches uh, himself yeah. out over his face and and, remo- and and just takes the oxygen away from Godzilla so that he passes out. <laughs> I, these are words that I'm saying out loud. <laughs> they then take... These are more words that I'll be saying. They then take Godzilla back to the Baxter building where they have Dr. Dune's time machine which is a glowing square and they send Godzilla back in time so that he can be with his his in the right time, his own people his own time he goes back (laughs) in time and of course the first people he meets devil dinosaur and moon boy (laughs) who then fight for a bit until they realize oh look there's more people attacking us and then they're friends and they fight together
0: yeah that sounds like a that sounds like a sort of thing that maybe could catch on like you know you get two groups fighting each other and then team up to fight the real bad guys
1: i don't think i don't think that's viable no? Uh, no, I don't think that'll ever catch on.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it was just an idea.
1: So once Devil Dinosaur and Godzilla have their epic team up, there is a problem with space and time, where Godzilla, of course, has to be thrust back to New York. I mean, I, I mean, it's obvious that uh, a time machine created by Doctor Doom is not going to be reliable.
0: There was a problem because the radiation that uh, Godzilla has it's d- disrupted the, uh, the time machine, too, as it, as it would. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean I think we've never been able to figure out with our time machines the, uh, the radiation problem.
1: Yes. Well, you know, it is an ongoing flaw in all time machines. Well, Godzilla is brought back to the present, but at full size this time. So he's back to full size. He's in New York. And uh, he's a little miffed. He's cranky. He's cranky. So he decides to go on a little bit of a rampage, which causes the Avengers to become a part of this whole storyline.
0: So at at this point now, we have the Avengers, Fantastic Four, the might of S.H.I.E.L.D., (laughs) and J. Jonah Jameson involved.
1: There's a wonderful line about J. Jonah Jameson. Godzilla is passing the Daily Bugle. (laughs) This is this is actually a great comedic scene. It, this is this is uh, yes yes. This is so J. Jonah fantastic. Jameson is being J. Jonah, with his back to the uh, to the windows, with Godzilla behind him, and <laughs> somebody in front of him going oh, uh, behind you. And Jay Jonah, <laughs> go ahead. J. Jonah, of course, turns around and decides to yell at Godzilla for <laughs> <laughs> for you know getting in his face.
0: Again, it's one of those great panels. You just have, it's you know, it's pulled back and you just see Jameson like just with his head sticking out the window.
1: Raising his fist, just shaking his fist in Godzilla's (laughs) face. And Godzilla does not use his atomic breath. He he blows, he blows (laughs) what the line is. I wrote this down. He makes his sentiments known just like J. Jonah Jameson with a blast of hot air. And I just, you know, that's a chef's kiss. What a beautiful scene that is. After this, uh, they the collected uh, superheroes: the Avengers, Fantastic Four, and Shield. All try to lead Godzilla to the harbor uh, and away from all the buildings. Because right. there's a very weird scene with the Empire State Building, with Thor on one side and Godzilla on the other, just kind of squeezing it together. Yeah. I, I don't know what the end end goal of that was, but you know, it was they well, saying they were playing tug of war with each other.
0: Yeah, it's, well, Thor's trying to keep it upright, right? And Godzilla's <laughs> is trying to knock it down, and instead you have a mildly odd. Uh,
1: <laughs> yes, they're just sort of standing on either side, you know, <laughs> pressing pressing against the walls. Uh, but it it is interesting that uh Mjolnir is the only thing that actually hits Godzilla that hurts him. Right. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of insight into Thor's strength. But then... The wasp and, and yellow jacket fly into uh, Godzilla's ear canal in order to disorient him and make him fall down. You know what? I'll give him props. That's a clever idea. Sure, <laughs> sure. but Godzilla does fall into the into the harbor, uh, but then rises out of the water and is about to run into the you know and and just cause all kinds of damage when little Rob shows up and pleads with Godzilla to please just go away, and he does. The end, the end. Uh, there is actually a conclusion to this story, you know. I, I mean, I guess they knew it was going to, it was the, the rights were going to leave and they were going to have to end this series. So, there hey, is, they, a, there, is a, there is a conclusion,
0: right? No, yeah. And you know, Godzilla just uh dippy doos out into the water and disappears under the water. and And who knew all it took was little Rob just saying, Hey, can you go
1: away, please? Yeah,
0: oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, man. It was good. all right, Rob.
1: You haven't betrayed me in the last hour or anything, so.
0: Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and and you know they even managed to work in Spider Man for three panels.
1: Yeah, Spider Man has a little cameo to take a picture, which Jay Jonah was, uh, Jay Jonah Jameson was was yelling about. Where the hell is Parker? How yeah. come he's not taking pictures? So because Spider-Man.
0: if you're gonna use, if you're gonna utilize Spider Man in a comic to like help sell issues, you definitely wait till the final issue and use him for three panels.
1: Yes, he does say I'm a little late to this party, but so this is all really fun. This is
0: tremendous fun, and I think, like again, you know, not to in in conclusion, it's I you I think you really hit it on the head earlier, just saying you know it's the first part is kind of you get through, and then as the comic continues on, I mean, obviously we're having a lot of fun describing it and talking about the silliness and whatever, but. There were moments where I laughed out loud.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the end, this comic series is an anomaly, it's one of those strange blips in comic book history where where a company gets the rights to something and tries to make it work as best they can. And luckily, they had a, a creative team that they took it serious enough to make it look good, but they didn't take it that serious that they didn't have fun.
0: Marvel, obviously, I think, had more success with some other like properties. Obviously, the Star Wars property.
1: Yeah, they got Star Wars. They were doing Planet of the Apes, right? And uh, then
0: subsequently, you know, it's like GI Joe and the Transformers. A few years later, uh, into the eighties, um, which both yes. were extremely successful. They were, the,
1: they were the IDW of their day.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> we should do GI Joe at some point, but uh,
1: I think this is the third podcast in a row where you've mentioned that.
0: Yeah, G- well, just yeah. just
1: recommend GI Joe for God's sakes. <laughs> Uh, no, I think. Look, I wouldn't say this comic is good, in quotes, but it is something that I enjoy a whole heck of a lot. It, it's, it's just, it's just straight up fun.
0: It's not good, but it's kind of great.
1: Yes, exactly. I am really, really happy
0: you recommended this. I was skeptical. I oh, was good. very, very skeptical at first. I was, I was like, oh my god, you want me to read twenty 24- four? issues of godzilla i
1: yes we had discussed this before i recommended it and i said you know you gotta get to the back half for it to get good uh, i know you didn't believe me at first but no but this is something i read this as a kid so i i, I remember reading this as from my youth my misspent youth from the spitter racks at wawa uh, so it was really fun to to reread this and i'd still i still just get so much joy from silly stuff like this yeah. well
0: and again we've we've said this a million times we'll probably say it a million times more it's like it's it's comics it's it's fun this is not grim and gritty serious stuff oh, no. this is this is exactly what as kids we loved about comics and then reading as an adult when we're catching some of the different nuances and being able to notice different things about it and also to appreciate the ridiculousness and and to and I mean that as like appreciate the ridiculousness as opposed to as opposed to like some pretension about it.
1: Right. And there are there are Godzilla stories still being written in comics. And a lot of them take themselves so seriously. Uh, and they're good for them for, for what they're trying to be. That's that that's all well and fine. But this was just embracing the absolute weirdness of a giant monster in a superhero story. And and I and like you said, I do appreciate the creative team you know, Monk and Trimpy just uh, just giving it their all taking some, taking a a, a, like I said in the intro, just taking a ridiculous assignment and saying, hey how can we make this good? And they they succeeded in my eyes I believe so as well All right. Uh, well that's it for this particular comic book. Brian on an all new episode of the Collected Edition what do we got? Well, I
0: you know, I'm uh, I've dithered and deliberated uh, so there's a few options that I, I was kind of looking at but I think uh, some of these are going to have to wait for future episodes and during my search for certain comics that I wanted to cover I ran across and remembered Dread Star by Jim Starlin mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, which was the very first Epic comic, uh, Marvel, you know, Marvel's Epic line. Now, there is a comic that Epic put out that is maybe one of the greatest comics ever made. And someday we'll get to that. We've mentioned it before. But for next time around, I kind of want to go back and reread Dreadstar.
1: I think that's great because I don't think I've read this. So It has
0: been a long time since I read it.
1: I know, I mean, I've seen, I know the look I of it. Loved but it I loved it at the time. It was yeah. a
0: mature reader's thing because it was on Epic. But, uh, I, you know, it's Jim Starlin. I mean, who doesn't love Jim Starlin, right?
1: It's Jim Starlin doing space stuff. So how bad could it be?
0: I mean, it's not like he, you know, doesn't have experience in that. Yeah. Realm. <laughs> so I am recommending this not with any strong knowledge uh i am recommending this because i kind of want to reread it and i want to force the rest of you to go on this
1: journey with me excellent well i do want to go on this journey because i you know this is new to me and i'm this is exciting stuff
0: so i am recommending the first 12 issues it's actually collected as the Dreadstar omnibus number one and it's issue one through 12.
1: this is really exciting stuff all right so thank you everybody for listening uh, please love to hear your comments on uh, on the on Godzilla. I'd love to hear your comments on uh, your selling of grit and any other <laughs> ads in, in comic books, uh, and just you know your basic comments in general. So visit our website at collectededitionpodcast.com and uh, hit us up on Twitter at collectededpod collectededpod. Maybe I will update our Instagram again someday, which I haven't done in a while. You never you never know. But so until next time. Uh, Thanks, everybody, and um, keep reading comics. And be well. You've been listening to The Collected Edition, a comic book podcast. The Collected Edition is a Daddy Elk production. All materials used on the show are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. The show can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as online at CollectedEditionPodcast.com, where comments can be left on individual episodes. You can also send us feedback at comments at CollectedEditionPodcast.com or on Twitter at CollectedEdPod, that's Collected, E-D-P-O-D. The Collected Edition, a comic book podcast, is for entertainment purposes only.
0: Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained?
1: By the way, Godzilla versus Kong, awesome. I mean, I'm Kong sure it is.
0: I'm sure it's. Um, I mean, if vast. you're
1: looking, if you're looking for something like story or characters or a plot, it's not really good. But if you're looking for two giant monsters punching each other, it's awesome. It's so good. I watched it and just went, "Yay!" Well, yeah. Oh, they're yeah. jumping on aircraft carriers. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You, that's I, that's I, another thing. If you're looking for physics. It's not
0: going to happen. Not the, right, yeah. No. So, I, you know, I do, before we close it out, and, you know, if we'll see if you uh, delete this or not, but I would like to encourage anybody out there, I, I want to give Herb Trimpy credit. I know we kind of picked on a little bit, but we also have mentioned several scenes that um, that uh, that he did that were quite good. And I really want to give him a special shout out for... Issue 14, page 17, the third panel. I will let folks investigate that on their own, but uh, Mr. Trimpy is a dirty, dirty, dirty
1: man. It's a man playing with his joystick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I couldn't let this go without, uh, without at least giving that panel a passing mention.
1: It is, um, I don't think it was intentional, but I do think... Uh... Oh,
0: I think it was. Okay, okay.
1: I was going to yeah. give Trimpy the uh, the benefit of the doubt and just say it happens to to look provocative. <laughs> um, anyway, hope everyone's curious enough. Go go check it out.